0: you are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. This is our third in our series in in Romans, and uh, it's Still, we're still in chapter 1 of Romans, and we're going to be doing from uh, verse uh, 18 to 32 today. First part of my message really is the introduction to what we're going to be talking about in Romans, okay? So we'll get, we'll get to the scripture in a little while. So um, what character, character qualities do you believe are dominant about God? If you say love and mercy and grace, you would be right. But let's not stop there. Paul describes him in verse 18 of Romans chapter 1 as a God who is revealing his wrath from heaven against all ungodliness. One of the character qualities of God is his wrath. The subject of God's wrath is sadly ignored in most religious circles today, and Pentecostal churches are no exception. We love to talk about his love and his mercy and his grace, and so we should, but we shouldn't forget his wrath. God's love is frequently mentioned, but God's wrath is rarely spoken of. In presenting the gospel Paul knew that he must present the bad news as well as the good news. We need God's righteousness because we deserve his wrath. All we have sinned and gone astray. But we are before we are ready for salvation, we need to see our need for salvation. If I don't believe that I'm lost in sin, why would I ever seek to be saved? If I think I'm good enough the way that I am right now, then why call upon God? If I'm not a sinner, and you're not a sinner, saved by grace, if we were not sinners, why did Jesus die? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Many people have a wrong idea of what anger and wrath is. We see it only through the lens of our human nature. The way we get angry. The way we get hot under the collar. The way we blow off steam. Right? But God is not like us. God's anger is not out of control range in the sense of a red-hot temper. God's wrath is his righteous controlled response to sin it is not a ira- ir- rational rage but a calm response by a holy god towards unholiness let's not allow our theology to cloud out the reality of paul that paul is teaching here to insist on a them and us thing such as the world versus the Christian. If we do that, we lose sight of the message. And so first, the first point I want to make today is we need to understand our spiritual standing in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 to 10, he lists those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In First, 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers or homosexual, or sodomites, or thieves, or covets, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's not some denomination saying this. This is not some church group or board that got together and made up this list. This is directly from the word of God. This is the Bible. But in the very next verse, he describes the transformation that takes place in my life and in yours when we accept Christ into our heart. And this is what he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This list, you and I, there's many of those things that are listed there that you and I were involved in before we became born again. But now we are washed. This describes the transformation that takes place when we're born again. It's the new me, it's the new you in Christ Jesus. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is what separates the saints from the eights. There is a difference. What has changed in your life since you gave your heart to the Lord? Every Christian has times of falling short and sinning and slipping up. We all do that, but that don't make us hypocrites just because we mess up. A hypocrite is a pretender, a fraud, a deceiver, a fake, a phony. You're pretending to be something that you're not. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are washed. You are cleansed. You're not a sinner anymore. Amen? That's what God has done for you. Now, you may slip up. You may do some of the things that you did before you ever asked Christ into your heart. But now you know how to keep short accounts with God. You ask him to forgive you. You get up and you keep on going for the Lord. Because that's the desire of your heart. Sometimes it takes a long time to get over some of those addictions and those habits that we have formed in our lives. But if you will be true to God and if you will seek his strength and his favor upon your life and ask him to help you, you will get over those things. God will help you to uh, to master those things that are mastering you right now. A hypocrite is a pretender. So we're not pretending to be something that we're not. But the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I've called upon him. He saved me. He forgave me. And that settles it. Being a hypocrite is more than just making a mistake. It's deliberately living in unrighteousness and not doing anything about it. And that will send the person to hell. I don't care how many sinners' prayers you pray. If you pray those prayers and you determine that you're going, nothing's going to change in your life and you're going to be the same old person you've always been, you're headed for hell. Don't hear that very often in church, do you? But it's scriptural. You are righteous as long as you remain in the faith. That's what the Bible tells us. Colossians 1.21, Paul is speaking, and he says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless, above reproach in his sight. Isn't that amazing what God has done for you and for me? Once you have asked Christ into your heart, this is what he has done for you. But there is is a clause in here that I want you to think about. He says, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, that means you can stop walking in faith. That means you can stop serving the Lord. That means that you can choose to turn your back upon God. Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, am a minister. A professing Christian can drift away or choose to walk away from God. We call that backsliding, beginning to live a sinful life all over again. Therefore, Hebrews 2 and 1 says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. It's not a very pretty thing to watch a man or a woman or a couple drifting away from the faith getting colder and colder. As a pastor, I see it happening all the time. I see it happening in this church. People who were on fire for God, very seldom come to church anymore. And after a while, they won't be here at all. And they'll get back into their old ways and doing all of the things that are ungodly and unrighteous. And You're on a very slippery slope when you start to do those sort of things. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6 says, For it is impossible, everyone say that word with me, impossible, for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they, fall, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So this calls for some self-evaluation. Am I a new creation? Am I a new creation? What has changed? Since I accepted Jesus as my Savior, has there been any change? What's new? What's new in my life? What's new in your life? What's the difference of being a Christian and and when you were a non-Christian? Have I had a change in attitude, in lifestyle? Do I have a love for and a desire to read my Bible? Do I pray as often as I should? Am I truly born again? If I am truly born again, I will want to love and to serve God wholeheartedly. My faults and my failures will challenge me to make a greater effort to do what is right rather than to excuse it, to sweep it under the rug as if it had never happened. But come humbly before God and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this thing. It is still mastering my life and I want to get rid of it. So, Lord, I'm calling upon you. Forgive me and help me to get over this thing. I want to do and say and be what he wants me to be. God has made it possible for me to continue to be a new creation. I said, God has made it possible for me and for you to continue to be that new creation that was created in you the day that you said yes to him. Paul tells us that the person who continues in the faith is grounded and steadfast. And not moved away from the hope of the gospel. In this respect, you and I are eternally secure in our salvation. If we continue in the faith. But Paul is not directing Romans 1, 18 to 32, to saints. It's not about people who slip and fall and then repent and keep living for Jesus. It's about people who deliberately sin and never turn from their sinful ways. These are the people that Paul is warning here. They have no fear of God. They have no intention to live righteously. They do what is right in their own eyes regardless of what God's righteous standard is. And that's an unrighteous person. As the Bible says, they exchange the truth of God, God's word, for a lie. No matter how you dress it up, the Bible calls it unrighteousness. So now in my second point, the consequence of unrighteous living. A hypocrite is someone who Joins in worship in church on Sunday, but their lifestyle is anything but Christian the rest of the week That's unrighteousness and so Romans Chapter 1 verse 18 says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men and women will put the women in there too Who suppress the truth? in unrighteousness. The unrighteous are people who depart from the truth, they suppress the truth about God, they deny that they what they know to be true. In Romans 9, 1 19 to 20 says, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There is not one person in Coal Lake that is without excuse. God has given everybody Revelation. Whether you've ever heard a gospel message or not, you have in built into your DNA something that tells you what is right and wrong. Otherwise, this wouldn't be a place to fit to live in in any way, shape, or form. You wouldn't be safe to go outside of your door. Paul declares that the nature and, the, of, and creation itself reveals a loving God. Psalm, the psalmist says in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. All you have to do is look around you and you know there is a God. You know there is a creator. From the beginning of time, We are all without excuse. Verses 21 and 25, Paul says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them over to uncleanness. They made idols and worshiped idols rather than the God of heaven. God gave them over to uncleanness, gave them up to uncleanness. In the lust of their hearts, dishonoring their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. This is what kindles God's wrath because people have substituted the truth about him with a fantasy from their own imaginations. And we see that rampant, In our world today, people are looking for answers. The answers is in the word of God, and they will not. They will not admit that there is the answer. And they'll come up with with answers from their own imaginations. And they propagate it all over the world. choose to worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. They silence God's revealed truth in favor of their self-centered lifestyles. And he cannot ignore or condone willful rebellion. He offers forgiveness from sin and restoration through his Son. But if people choose to rebel, there is a price to pay. Every single person was born with a sense of right and wrong. This sense of right and wrong was instilled in all of us by God from creation. And God's hand is everywhere, and no one can say, I didn't know about Him. Verse 26 and 32. The Bible, Paul again says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. When God gives you up, folks, you know you're doing something terribly, terribly wrong. God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one for another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. I want you to notice. This is not talking about God doing something to somebody. This is talking about somebody doing something to their own selves, their own bodies, and receiving the just reward from it, the consequences of it. And what I've been reading here, there's hardly anyone of us in this room that has not been touched by some of these things. Someone in our family has been touched by it. And even as they did, verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. They cannot, they cannot use the mind, the, the brains that God gave them to be able to figure out what is right and wrong anymore. They are just completely blind to it to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness sexual immorality wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil-minded evil evil mindedness they are whisperers backbiters haters lover uh, haters of God violent proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the, the, the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those who practice them. That. That's like reading the news right hot off the press, folks. That's like turning on to CNN and listening to the commentators. That's the real world that we are living in this very day. And such were some of you, Paul said, but you are washed, you are cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. We should be so thankful that we have escaped these things, that we have been delivered from these things. And every man, woman, boy, and girl who is involved in any of these things can be set free just like you and I. And we don't look at people and look down at people because they're involved in some of these things. We have a message of life, a message of hope that can change a person, can make a difference in their life. All the evil of this world flows from this spring of rejecting God and suppressing the truth and recreating God in their own image doesn't work folks these are the sort of things that comes from rejecting god god gives them up and god gives them over to their own self destruction god don't have to lift a finger all he got to do is say my hands are off you will not listen to me i've given you the truth i've provided a covering for your sin. I've provided a cleansing for your sin. I've done everything that I can. I gave my only son that you could be set free from all of these things. And if you will not do anything about it, I can't do anything to help you. So I'll give you over to do whatever you figure is right in your own eyes, but you'll have to suffer the consequence. But I want you to know, you don't have to suffer the consequence. You can change your mind. You can make a change in your life. You can say right now, Father in heaven, I'm sorry. I've gone the wrong way. I've been doing the wrong things. Forgive me. And he'll open his arms to you and take you in so fast. There'll be a change that'll take place in your heart that you will never ever be able to explain what happened. But it'll be a spiritual cleansing by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, this didn't just happen thousands of years ago. It's still happening today. Millions have gone to an early grave, the consequences of their lifestyle. And I would say that most of us in this room have had family members who are in an early grave because of the lifestyle they lived. It has been heart wrenching and heartbreaking. But it is exactly what God said would happen if we choose to go our own way. God will not force anyone to live a righteous life. You and I have to choose. Paul is not talking about end time judgment here. End-time judgment is coming. It is much worse than anything that is described here in Romans chapter 1. But these things are happening every day in everyday lives of people who are rejecting God. It's just that we as pastors... are too chicken to speak it out. How many of you have seen things happen and read the news? and What is the first thought that comes to you? That sounds very much like the judgment of God. But we won't say it. But the prophets of old spoke it out. They were jailed and imprisoned and killed for saying it. The same thing will happen today. I don't know if we're wise or foolish, but that's it. This is what happens to mortal men and women who reject God. This is what happens when governments and nations reject God. We're living in a time when we may see some of the greatest judgments upon nations that has ever been known to mankind. It's a bottomless pit of degeneration. But I can't leave you without offering you some hope this morning. I'd hate to say this is the end of the message right now. I want to assure you that there is hope for all who will turn to God. It's found in the finished work of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, that takes away the sin of the world. Allow me to refer back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Paul talks about it. Paul's confidence in the power of the gospel that he preaches. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written... The just shall live by faith. Although the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, the amazing grace, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The power of the gospel is the good news that Jesus saves all who will believe. You can be going down the road that's leading to hell and destruction today and this, this morning you can make a choice to serve God and you're on that new road. It's just the choice that you make. The amazing grace of God. Power of the gospel is good news that Jesus saves all who believe, both Jew and Gentile. A full and a free salvation. Saved. Born again. Redeemed. Whatever you want to call it. It's a new life in Christ that is offered to everyone. It's a faith walk from start to finish. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The story goes that Martin Luther, a great Man of God. He was a Catholic monk, I believe he was, or something like like that. And uh, he started reading the Bible. And he came across this. The just shall live by faith. That is how we come to have the Protestant religions today. This Catholic man realized that a lot of the things that he was doing to try to earn his salvation was unnecessary. All he had to do was believe. And that's what God wants you to do, believe. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32 is not to be taken lightly. It is a revelation of the misery and the heartache that fall upon people who walk in unrighteousness. And Paul is not saying that all of this happens to all people. There is a point where God will leave us to our own sinful ways. If we reject his love, we can find ourselves on a slippery slope. But here again is where the power of the gospel comes in. We can choose to change our ways. We can humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. This is what God always says to his people when they start going astray, come back to me, turn around, call upon me, repent, and I will help you. I will forgive you. He, Heavenly Father, will forgive us. You don't have to go down that road and suffer the consequences. But if you're on that road today, God has provided an exit for you to get off. God has provided an exit for you get off that slippery slope. This is why John, John Newton, a former slave trader, became born again and a preacher of the gospel. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So John Newton became a born again believer and he, he, he wrote a song that was published in 1779 and musicians, band you can come back right now but he, he, he wrote this He he published this song in 1779 that's That's 239 years ago. That's a long time. Most of our songs, if we can get a year out of them, that's an old song. Right? This is a song that was written 329 years ago. It's a testimony of a man who believed the gospel and confessed his sins before God. He placed his faith in the blood of Jesus to cleanse him from every sin, just as the Bible said. Well, he repented of his evil ways and he served the Lord for the rest of his life, preaching the gospel. I know we sing this song at funerals. Amazing grace. And a lot of people never get to church except at a funeral. And when they hear that song sung, it doesn't matter if that person was the most wicked person in the community. They imagine that that person is on their way to heaven and in the presence of God. Then people who do the eulogy will suggest that God has called another angel home. Totally, completely false doctrine. But because we're in a funeral sitting, nobody will correct it. Because you don't want to hurt feelings and you, you're, you're sensitive to the, situation. but I want you to know that this song is about the saving grace of God. This song is an experience that a person has with Jesus while they are living, not after they have died. The moment you close your eyes in death, you have no other say in what happens to you in eternity. This is where you plan for eternity. You've got to make your peace with God here while you're living. The moment you draw your last breath, you can have whole congregations praying for you. It's not going to help. You've made your last decision. It's about an assurance of spending eternity with the one who died and loved you and died for you and took away all of your sin. And the song goes like this. This is the old version. Our our brother is going to sing a a little revised version, but that's okay. But I just want the song as it was written, I guess, 239 years ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. What an amazing transformation. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. And then it goes on to talk about what it's going to be like in eternity because I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That describes eternity with the Lord. The reward for saying yes to Jesus on a Sunday morning just like this when you say I'm tired of living this old life and I want to turn my life over to him folks I have slipped and fallen many times in my Christian life But because of his amazing grace, I have always prayed and said, Lord, I'm here again. The very thing that I said I wouldn't do, I've done it again. And I'm so sorry. And I want you to forgive me. And every time I've had that full assurance in my heart that I'm forgiven, I get up and I start walking for him again just as if I had never sinned. And you can do the same. That's the amazing grace of God. You can fall down, you can fall flat on your face a dozen times, but you can get up and you can get going again. You don't have to turn your back upon Jesus. Just because you sin don't mean that you don't love him anymore. just means that you're a human being going through life. But there's one thing I don't want. I don't want to suffer the consequences of unrighteousness in my life. And I don't want to pass it on to my children. I don't want to pass it on to my grandchildren. I want to leave a heritage to them that they can save my dad served god with all of his heart i know he made mistakes but he's our dad and he loved jesus and he gave us a, a good heritage to follow i want my grandchildren to be able to say i want to be like my papa i want my my grandsons to say i want to be a preacher of the gospel like my papa I was 45 years old when I preached my first sermon well 44 because I preached the first sermon I preached was for my dad's funeral while I was still in Bible college and so all of my grandchildren even my oldest grandson who's only 24 something may still one day be preaching the gospel like I am. But I want to leave a heritage for them that it will not be an offense to them because they say, well, Papa was one thing in church, but he was sure different when he was out of church. The only way that I can ensure that is to keep short accounts with God. Do you want to know Jesus as your savior? Are you here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life? Why don't you come and I'll pray with you? Have you been struggling with your faith? Has the old devil been beating you up and telling you you can never make it, you'll you'll never make it, you're not good enough? Ah, oh, but the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. There's not one person in this room right now that God can't reach. All you've got to do is make the choice. He's never going to twist your arm, He's not going to hit you over the head with a two by four. He's made the, all of the provision. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel, folks. If you want Jesus into your life, you come. Now, of course, there's a lot of benefit to Jesus dying on the cross. Besides our salvation, by his stripes we were healed. You need healing in your body today. Come, we'll pray with you. Anoint you with oil and pray. The Bible says that the prayer of faith will save the sick, and if you have for committed sins, they will be forgiven. Amen. So whatever you want today from the Lord, if you believe it, you can have it. I know it's strong. I know it's a strong uh, statement, but it's scriptural. Amen. What can you believe God for today? You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.